Welcome back to another powerful episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Nick Bear, founder and CEO of Bear Performance Nutrition. Every week, we bring you insightful stories, knowledge, and inspiration to help you reach your full potential in life, fitness, and business. If you enjoy the message we're promoting in this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review on the platform you are listening to. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes that embody the Go One More mindset. All right, what's going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode. Today, we are answering some Q&A questions that you guys submitted through the BPN podcast Instagram page. And by the way, if you're not following that page, we put up a lot of information. It's the Bear Performance Podcast on Instagram. And I am running on a a high right now. Just wrapped up a five-mile morning run. And uh, we'll kind of talk about what my training looks like right now coming off of this marathon block. But I'm running three, maybe four times a week right now. Mileage is between 20 and 25 miles each week knocked down an easy five mile run this morning. And now I am sipping on a serving of BPN lemon lime electrolytes out of my go one more shaker bottle. And it is absolutely delicious. I love this flavor, that flavor or the salted watermelon. Um, But as we've talked about in this podcast before, the importance of sodium salt for performance. Um, And we had Dr. James D. Nicolantonio on here. He has a book called The Salt Fix. And we talked about the importance of rehydrating with a, a sodium solution or an electrolyte uh, supplement after sweating a lot or after training. So especially in these summer months, I mean, right now it's, we just hit July in, uh, in Texas. It's hot. These morning runs, I'm dripping in sweat after you know two miles. So I'm always sipping on electrolytes immediately after the run and then throughout the day as well. But uh, we're going to dive into some of these questions. Before we do dive into, I want to let you guys know, we are two days away from our due date for our baby girl. So Steph is due July 8th. It is currently uh, Wednesday, July 6th. So we have 48 hours. We could have our baby any day now. I mean, I I could get a a text message from Steph in like 10 minutes and uh, we could be heading to the hospital. But our baby girl is due officially July 8th, 2022. And uh, I'm going to be a dad really, really soon. So uh, that's that's what's going on in my life. But let's dive into some of these questions. You guys asked some really good ones applicable to to training, um, to some, some business stuff, books that I'm reading right now, what I look for in an employee. Like, you guys asked some really good questions this time. Um, so to dive right into it, number one, what are the top three ways to start your morning off right? You know, a morning routine is very specific to you. It's unique to the individual. It's unique to me. Um, so what works for me might not work for you. What works for you might not work for me. But this is my three tips to start your morning off right. Number one, wake up early. Wake up earlier than you probably want to or you need to. Number two is move. And number three, solitude or silence. So like what I do, my morning routine, I wake up Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. On the weekends, I typically don't set an alarm 
unless I have a big run I need to knock out, I need to be somewhere for, for work, BPN, or me and Steph have travel plans. But like for me, Saturday and Sunday, right now before this baby's born, that is my opportunity to just sleep in a little bit. And when I say sleep in, it's, you know, 7, 7.30, maybe 8 a.m., but my body is like on this this clock where I can't sleep in past 8. But Monday through Friday, wake up at 5 a.m., and uh, that's the first thing I do. I like waking up early. I like waking up early before my wife's up, before the dogs are up, before it feels like the world is up. I like to wake up, and look out into my neighborhood and lights aren't on yet. There's one or two vehicles that are leaving the neighborhood, um, get ready to go into work or head to the airport. There's a few people maybe walking their dogs or running in the, in, you know, around the trails around my neighborhood, but I like to wake up early. It sets the tone of the day for me. It is my favorite way to kick it off, whether I'm training in the morning or not. And then what I do is I start prepping for my workout. I loved, I love training first thing in the morning and uh, whether that's running or strength training in my home gym or just some push-ups. but getting the blood moving wakes me up. I can tell a huge difference between days where I train in the morning and days when I don't, if I don't train in the morning, the whole first half of the day is just, it just moves slow. I don't have like, I don't have the energy I do. I, my, I don't feel like I'm firing on all cylinders. And when I wake up and I move in the morning, it sets the tone. It sets the foundation for the day. And that third pillar is solitude. And that's why I love running. As many of you guys know, like that moment of my day, my phone's not going off. My, my email's not pinging. The dogs aren't barking. Uh, people that, that work with me and for me in the company and the organization here at BPN aren't sending me Slack messages or, or DMs or emails. It is just my time. It is alone time. And I can do some really deep creative thinking. I can navigate issues in my life. Uh, it's just, I, I think we all need that solitude, that silence, that quiet time. And to be honest, it's really hard to get in the modern world. It's, it's really, really hard. Our attention spans are dwindling down. I, I, I recently heard uh, on a podcast yesterday how like our attention span is is shorter than a, a goldfish attention span. And I believe the attention span of a goldfish is like six seconds, but we're so used to notifications and likes and messages and content, content, content that we are distracted away from this moment of solitude. So we have to force ourselves to find it. And that's why I implement it in my morning routine. Wake up early, move, search for solitude. And if I have those three things in the morning, my foundation is set. Next question. Top three books that I've read this year. So the, the past, like say six months, I, I went into a deep dive of a lot of personal development, business leadership books. And now, you know, if you ask me the same question in six months from now, it will probably be more fitness, nutrition books uh, because that's just like the chapter of life I'm, I'm going into right now and things that I'm really interested in. But the last three books or my, my favorite three books that I've read this past year, one, No Rules Rule. That was from the founder and CEO of Netflix. Highly recommend that book. It, it dives deep into 
building and maintaining a strong organizational culture built off of talent density, which some of the things I've learned from this book will uh, be incorporated in some other questions in this episode. But hiring for talent density and having an organization that can operate at a very high conversational IQ. Highly recommend no rules rule for entrepreneurs, business owners, leaders of organizations or teams. Or if you're a coach, it's a great book for a coach. Uh, The second book was uh, recommended to me. It is The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. Another great book for, for leadership development, building teams, uh, building a strong culture and organization that is focused on a mission and, and growth and moving forward. To the third, and I've talked about this book many times on this podcast, it's Deep Work by Cal Newport. Um, I, I can't recommend Deep Work enough. I'll probably read that book again at some point this year. And I'm going to add like a fourth uh, section in there. Anything by Seth Godin. Seth Godin is a great author for marketing material. And it, it's pretty high level. Like it's very a very easy read series. His books are very easy to read, very, to, very easy to, to grasp. And there's like some clear deliverables that when you read it, you can finish the book very quickly and then go implement these things in your business and instantly see a return. It's like some of his books that me and the team have read this past year, Tribes, Purple Cow, and this is marketing. Purple Cow. Like I read Purple Cow, and after reading Purple Cow, I told the team, like, hey, certain people on the team, I, I need you to read this book. It will really change the way you think about certain things. And uh, we implemented so many things from Tribes and Purple Cow into BPN. And I'm sure if you guys have read or read these books, you can follow some of the the... You can follow the path of some of the things that we're implementing and changing here at BPN based off of things that we read. So those are my top couple books that I've read this past year. Next question is, you just finished a big few years of endurance training. You're right. Uh, What lessons have you learned during this time that you are taking into account for your next phase of fitness? Let's talk about the last couple of years of uh of training. So after the Austin marathon in, I want to say it was 2019 after that marathon, that's where it all started kicking off. So we went right into Ironman prep. It was Ironman Florida in uh, Panama city. And then I went into a, a marathon prep where I ran a 324 marathon in Austin, Texas. Um, and then after that, we went back into a triathlon prep where I worked with Natasha. Originally, we were prepping for Ironman Texas that got canceled, uh, but we ended up doing Challenge Cancun, which was a 70.3. In the middle of that prep, we also uh, incorporated a build for the sub three marathon where I ran a 256. So then coming off of that triathlon prep, went right into Leadville 100 prep. So the whole BPN team went out to Leadville, Colorado. We did that 100-mile ultramarathon in the Rocky Mountains of Leadville, Colorado. Immediately after that, we jumped into Rocky Raccoon Prep, which is another 100-miler here in Texas, um, and ran that one in a little over 19 hours. 
And then right after that 100-mile prep, we went back into another marathon prep, which we just wrapped up a little over a month ago. That was a Buffalo, New York marathon where I ran a two-hour and 48-minute marathon. So yes, we just came off of a huge endurance training block. And I learned a tremendous amount. I mean, over the last three years of endurance training, I've, I've, my, my outlook, my perspective on fitness has completely changed, right? Like I, I learned so much about zone two training and building an aerobic base and foundation and, and running below your max aerobic heart rate and how to incorporate speed and tempo workouts to refine and kind of build your engine. I learned all of the principles of endurance training from swimming to cycling to running to sprinting and how to incorporate these, these principles and, and foundational um, kind of lessons to, to build your endurance, right? I learned so much through that process. And I don't want to say I've exhausted what I've learned there, but I've, I've taken these last three years and I've learned so much. And to me, it would almost be a, a missed opportunity to just keep doing more races in the endurance space. I've learned so much from. Now, I'm not saying I've learned everything. By no means have I learned everything about endurance training, but I've learned a lot in the last three years. And now I want to take what I've learned and apply that to other aspects of fitness. Well, that being said, like where is my training moving now? It is more of like this, this true hybrid athlete lifestyle and approach where strength training is the priority. And then there's sprinting, there's endurance training, there's running, maybe some cycling, some conditioning circuit workouts. And uh, that's what my training look, looks like right now and moving forward. And I'll explain why. So one of the things that I learned through this big endurance training block over the last three years is running 60, 70, 80, even 90 miles a week. I mean, at my peak, I think I ran 100 miles um, a week for some of my training weeks, not including like race weeks. And what I learned through those training blocks is that those are very optimal loads of volume and intensity in terms of mileage or time on my feet. Those are very effective and efficient for a specific purpose, being a race. Like in order to run a sub three hour marathon, you have to have a certain amount of weekly mileage. There are exceptions to the rules, but you have to run a certain amount of weekly mileage and you have to hit certain paces for your tempo, critical velocity, and speed workouts. It's, it's just what you have to do. Now, is that optimal and effective and efficient for overall health? No. Performance and health are two different things. And I think that's, that's where a lot of people get this misunderstood or confused. Like if you look at the most elite athletes on the day they are being tested, look at a... Um, 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 Olympic marathon athlete, the day they are going out for that race, are they at their healthiest? No. But is their performance at a peak? Yes. Look at a bodybuilder. When they step on stage, do they look the best they've ever looked? Yeah, probably. They're dialed in. They're lean. They're maybe like 
five, four, five, six percent body fat, but are they at their most optimal health ever? Absolutely not. They probably feel like absolute dog shit, right? Like their, their blood work probably shows it even for these professional athletes. When you go after a certain goal, whether you're prepping for a hundred mile race or a marathon or a bodybuilding show, you have to get your body in peak performance. And in order to do that, your health is probably taking a hit along the way. So like, was I feeling my absolute best when I was training for the sub three hour marathon or the Leadville 100 or Rocky Raccoon 100 miler or an Ironman? No, I wasn't feeling my absolute best. I had brain fog. I was tired. I was fatigued. But was my performance at its peak? Yes. So there are trade-offs when training for something like that. Now, I would be, I would say ignorant if I kept training like that, if I kept my mileage at 60, 70, 80 miles a week just to maintain, but not to train for a, a certain race. That would be ignorant because it would kind of just affect the way I felt on an every day. What I'm trying to do now is optimize all aspects of my life. How am I showing up as a husband? How am I showing up as a father? How am I showing up as an entrepreneur, a founder, a CEO, a business owner? How am I showing up for my fitness and my health and optimizing all aspects of everything? And I think at its foundational, fundamental core, what I believe is the best way to promote optimized health and performance is with strength training or resistance training. That should be and is right now for me the foundational priority of my training. These are big multi-joint compound movements, your bench presses, your barbell squats, your overhead press, your deadlifts, and then supplementing with hypertrophy, uh, more bodybuilding style workouts, body weight exercises, incorporating once a week these all-out sprints. Like last week we went to the track and we did a sprint workout. Tomorrow I have a sprint workout. And like what last week looked like was a one-mile warm-up, 10 all-out 100-meter sprints with like two to three minutes of rest in between, and then a one-mile cool-down. And it was just fun, right? Like I took the BPN team with me, and we had a group of guys out there, and we were just doing all-out sprints, and, and they're tough. They, they are tough. An all-out sprint will, will tax your body similar to strength training where you're working these, these fast-twitch muscle fibers. And then after strength training in sprinting or this hit, uh, these hit workouts or exercises is then aerobic base building conditioning or endurance. So like running, what does my running look like right now? It is about 20 miles of mileage a week, 25 max. So like this week I'll probably end up running 20 miles. Last week I ran 25 miles. I did a 10 miler on Saturday, but I have almost cut running mileage by more than half. Like at at its peak of marathon prep, my mileage is around 70 miles a week. Bringing that down to 20 to 25 miles a week is is pretty dramatically. But how how do I feel now compared to when I was in marathon prep? It's night and day. Uh, I feel like I'm recovered a whole lot better. My energy, natural energy is higher. My brain is functioning so much more effectively. I don't have the brain fog that I had during, uh, during marathon prep or these ultra preps. So I can tell a big difference, more so in recovery, natural energy, mental clarity. 
when I'm prioritizing strength training and still incorporating endurance, I'm, I'm always going to run. I just might not run 60, 70, 80 miles a week all the time. But I've seen a big difference in those two styles of training. Now, will I ever do a marathon or an ultra marathon again? Yeah, absolutely. And mileage will definitely go back up to 60, 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 miles a week at those periods or chapters of my life. But I'm not training for a race right now. So I've decided to pull back mileage. And I'll tell you, I feel a whole lot better. So like that's what my next phase of fitness is. It's enjoying training again. It's trying these new things, experimenting with different styles. But I, I'm focused on optimizing health and performance simultaneously. And for me, in order to do that, I had to pull back my endurance training, prioritize strength training, incorporate some sprinting. And uh, I've seen a huge return on some of those changes. So that's, uh, that's what my, my training program currently looks like. Next question. What about fatherhood are you most excited about? What are you most nervous about? Let's, let's start with like, what am I most nervous about? Um, I would say it's something that I necessarily, necessarily can't prepare for, but it's, it's balancing work, being a father, being a husband and fitness. Now I'm a, a I'm a realist where you can't just keep adding things onto your life. You can't just keep adding responsibilities onto your plate and thinking you can operate outside of 100%, right? Like if I'm operating 100% right now and then we throw uh, a baby into that mix, I can't operate at 130%, for example. Something has to give. I have to sacrifice something. Right now, I'm not sure exactly what that looks like, but I'm, I'm open to and I'm ready to navigate that next chapter of my life. I think one of my strengths, well, I know, I know one of my strengths is the ability to pivot. So having a plan is great. I think having a plan in, in, in life or going into goals and objectives or chapters or sprints in life is necessary but I think what's more important is the ability to be able to pivot away from that plan. What happens all too often is someone sets up a plan and then as soon as life happens and that plan doesn't work anymore, you're kind of sitting on your ass saying, well, shit, what do I do now? Like my, my plan doesn't work. Now I'm freaking out. I don't know how to navigate this next chapter. Having a contingency plan is a great next step. If plan A doesn't work, well, let's fall back to plan B. If plan B doesn't work, let's fall back to plan C. They are contingency plans. Well, I think those are super important too, but what is the Hail Mary of navigating away from a plan if you have to? is the ability, the awareness and ability to be able to pivot. So with all that being said, what I am nervous about being a father is finding out, discovering what has to give, what has to sacrifice in order to prioritize my family. Because that's what I need to prioritize 
moving forward. Like this baby, my wife, Steph, that is what has to come first. That is what gets prioritized in life. And what has to give? Is that going to be parts of my fitness? Am I going to have to hire more people to be able to delegate some of my work responsibilities so that I can prioritize my wife and my baby, you know, and, and just navigating that next chapter of life. So like nervous is, I guess, one way to describe it. But if you are aware that you have the ability to pivot, you really, you really can't be scared of it. You're expecting it. You're anticipating it. But it's kind of nervous of how effective and efficient am I going to be at pivoting when I have to, you know, sacrifice certain things in order to prioritize. What am I most excited about? I mean, there's a lot of things I'm excited about. What's, what's crazy is a lot of Steph's friends are actually pregnant right now at the same time. It's, it's weird where we got pregnant and we found out that Trey and his wife, Phoebe, who Trey is our VP of marketing here at BPN, they're pregnant too. Their due date is three days away from our due date. And then my best friend from back home, we found out him and his wife were pregnant. They had a baby like three days ago. And then four of Steph's friends back home where she's from in Michigan are also pregnant. So all these people are pregnant at the same time. Josh, our CFO, his wife's due with a baby in August. So there's about to be a lot of babies in our life. And what made it real was when my buddy Joel from back home, he face, uh, FaceTimed us uh, this past weekend and they were at the hospital after his wife, Addie, gave birth to their baby boy, Nathaniel. And when I saw this baby on FaceTime, for some reason, that made it all real. Because what I realized was, and I don't know why I, I haven't realized this before, but the baby that we're about to see in a few days, a few days, I mean, there's hours now that we can account for. The baby we're going to see in a few days is the same baby that's in Steph's belly right now. That baby is fully developed. She's full term. It looks right now in her belly that it's going to look like in a few days when it's born. I'm inches away from that baby at times. And I don't know why it clicked with me when I saw Joel and Addie's baby over FaceTime that we're going to be in that same situation and position soon. What am I excited for? I'm excited for the challenges the obstacles, the resistance that parenthood provides. But I think more importantly, like what I'm excited for is to teach my children and the first opportunity I'm going to get is with this daughter. I'm going to have the ability to teach these children valuable lessons. I get to be a mentor to them. I get to be a guide for them to develop them and, and grow and learn and be, I hope to be, high-functioning and performing individuals in life. Like what values, what lessons do I want them to learn? What values and lessons do I hope that they learn from me, not by me teaching, but by practicing? What do they observe? Like some of those things are ownership. I want them to, to have complete ownership of their life. Be accountable for the things they do and don't do for the things they achieve and don't achieve, their wins and losses, taking full ownership and not blaming any external factors or other people around them. 
I think it's one of the greatest traits in, in life. Another is being dependable, having integrity, being a leader, a selfless leader, a selfless servant, being independent and being humble. Those are just a, a few of the things that I want my children to learn from me by teaching and observing. But I see my responsibility as the father in the house to act as a mentor, a guide, and to teach these foundational lessons and values that they can build off of in their life. That's what I'm excited for. Because for me, it's a huge responsibility and obligation to show up and and really take responsibility of this opportunity to learn from these children. So I'm excited for a lot of things, but that's that's just, uh, that's one of the things that's been going through my mind on my morning runs recently. Next question. What is the why that made you start BPN and what keeps you going? So for, for those of you that know the story, uh, 2012, I'll keep this one brief, but 2012, I started BPN. So this August will be, next month will be 10 years in business for BPN. And at the time when I started the business, I was in college. I was studying nutrition at the Indiana University of Pennsylvania. I was on an army ROTC scholarship. I knew in 2013, which was a year after starting the business, I was about to commission in the U.S. Army after graduating college. I was getting sent to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia to do airborne school, infantry officer basic course, ranger school before going to Fort Hood, Texas, where I got in 2014. So here I am sitting in my, my college apartment, 2012, and me and five guys were living in this apartment. It was probably a thousand square feet uh, above like this bar on Philadelphia Street in Indiana, Pennsylvania. And at the time I had the opportunity to take out this small loan of $20,000 with the military associated bank, USAA. And my friends, my peers, uh, they were taking out this money because the, the situation was USAA, you know, they're the military associated bank. They knew that these army ROTC cadets who were under contract, which I was, were about to graduate college, commission in the U.S. Army, have a, a pretty steady salary. So they knew they could loan out this money and they were going to get their money back. And it was this sweet deal where you didn't have to start making payments for like 18 months after getting the loan. It was like a 1% interest rate. It was super low. It was a no brainer. Everyone was taking out the money. And I saw this as the golden ticket to, to start BPN. But why did I, why did I want to start BPN? I mean, if you look back the years leading up to that moment, 2009, 2010, 2011, I was mixing up my own pre-workout supplements at this time. I was buying these ingredients in bulk and I'd mix them up in my dorm room with the ingredients that I wanted, like creatine, beta-alanine, citrulline, uh, betaine and hydros, caffeine. And I was buying these ingredients, mixing them up on my own and forming my own pre-workout. And I was even selling it to friends in my college dorm room at, at the time. I loved the space. I loved performance. I love training. At that time in my life, I was really into like bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength training. And I loved being able to manipulate my, my body, sculpt my body, if you will, through 
nutrition and manipulating calories and macronutrients and supplementation and different uh, strength training protocols and incorporating you know, cardiovascular training to, to get lean and lose weight, lose body fat. I just love that whole aspect of fitness and being able to sculpt and create the body I wanted through diet, supplementation, and training. And uh, at the time, the supplement industry was like the wild, wild west. So I saw this massive opportunity to come in and create a, a business, create a company, create products based off of integrity, transparency, and service. So I saw a, a massive opportunity through a competitive advantage of creating products with no proprietary blends. And this whole thing was built off of this burning passion for a love of the space, a love of the industry, a love of the lifestyle, and a love of doing things the right way. Where at a time, not many people were. I mean, 2012, this is when like the, the pre-workout boom happened where you had like no explode, Jack 3D, craze. It was all these pre-workouts that were kind of being released into the market. And some of them had ingredients which are now banned. I mean, they were, if anyone remembers the 2012, 2013 pre-workout days, like Jack 3D, people were going nuts on Jack 3D. They had one three dye in it, which is now banned in the supplement space. And people were getting hurt. They were getting injured. They were going to the hospital because of the, some of the stimulants that were being used in some of these pre-workout supplements. But it was like the wild, wild west. It's the only way to describe it where there was no integrity. There was no transparency. Like these companies just wanted to launch products that would make you like feel like you're losing your mind and blowing your head off with so much energy and over, being overstimulated. And I saw what was happening and I thought, there's a massive opportunity here to do something the right way and build an organization based off of integrity, transparency, trust, service, service to the customer, the community. And that's why I started BPN. It was like this burning passion for just like a love of the lifestyle, a love of the space. And like what keeps me going today, what has kept me going this, these last 10 years is that same thing. It's the passion behind the lifestyle, the purpose, the intent, the community, the products. I love all of it. Like I love this space. I love what I do. I, I love I love training. I love nutrition. I love optimizing the way I feel. You know, that's, that's what fitness, that's what this lifestyle is for me. Like that's why I eat healthy foods is because it makes me feel better. I had this question on Instagram last night. Someone asked me, do you do cheat days? No, I, I mean, I don't do cheat days. Like, why? Why don't you do cheat days? Because I will feel like garbage during a cheat day. I will feel like garbage the, the next couple of days. For me, food is a fuel. Food is something that makes me feel a certain way. Like I want, I want to eat something that makes me feel good, that gives me energy, that makes me perform at my highest level, that allows me to show up in a good mood with good energy and you know, serve my family and my community and my team and just operate at a high level. Yeah, do I go like have a, a cheeseburger and fries and pizza, chicken wings, a beer every so often? Absolutely. I, I mean, I love food, I do, but I'm not gonna spend a whole day or, or a binge on making my 
like myself feel like absolute garbage just to eat these certain quote unquote luxury foods or cheat foods. Um, I mean, I, I love a good burger. I love a good slice of pizza, but cheat days. No, because I love the lifestyle. I have passion and purpose behind feeling, performing at an optimized level. That's what keeps me going. I love this space. I love feeling good. I love having the energy so I can show up and do what I do day in and day out. Next question is, how do you go about setting your goals? All right, here it is, guys. The word goals is thrown out all the time. I've been thinking about this concept recently. Where I think people go wrong, and myself included, I've done this too, is that we sometimes set goals that are influenced by what other people want to or are trying to achieve based off of what is important to the priorities in their life. But if those priorities and achievables don't align with what you actually want to do, it is not a goal that is unique, specific, or purposeful to you. We, we need to set goals that actually matter to us. I'm going to set a goal that has an, a purpose and intent for me or the people around me. How does it affect you now? How does it affect your future? How does it affect your family? How does it affect your circle? How does it affect your ability to grow? So I think the first question we need to ask ourselves is when setting goals, are these goals things that we actually want? Do they have a purpose? Do they have an intent? Let's, let's take this back to like endurance training. Like why do I not have a, a race planned for the future? Because I'm getting this message all the time. What's the next race? What's the next race? What's the next race? What are you signing up for next? Well, I'm not signing up for another race because I just came up off of like a big three-year block of endurance training and I've learned so much through that process. But now it's time for me to pivot and learn something new. Try something different. Be humbled again. Put my time, energy, money, and resources into something that is going to have a greater return. If I just kept signing up for another race, another race, another race, just to do it, the question you have to ask yourself is, what is the purpose? What is the intent? If the purpose and intent is because it's what I want to do and I enjoy it, then keep signing up for it. Keep doing it. Keep setting those goals. But if there's a, a greater return on a purpose and intent driven behind a goal that is elsewhere, well, then explore that. And that's what I'm doing right now. But it has to be a really honest conversation with yourself of why am I doing this? Why is this goal important to me? Is it something I really want to do? What is the return of all the time I'm going to be spending on this goal? Is there an intent and purpose? And is it going to allow me to grow? Or do I just want to enjoy this goal? Like, is it, is it a fun goal? I mean, to each their own. But uh, that's kind of the way I look at it first. And then next step in like setting that goal is realizing you can't just keep adding things onto your plate. Kind of talking about previously you know, with this baby being born, I know that I can't operate outside of 100%. Like you physically can't operate out of 100, 
Um, you just can't. So with that goal that you're, you're setting, do you have the bandwidth? First off, do you have the time? Do you have the resources? Do you have the ability? And then if you prioritize that goal, you kind of have to take, take like stock of your life, inventory of your life. All right. In order to operate at a hundred percent, let me prioritize what is important in my life right now. You have it laid out. All right. With all this stuff that I've prioritized, I'm operating at 150%, which I have to get it down to 100%. You can only operate at 100%. So next step is what am I going to eliminate to get down to 100%? What really doesn't matter right now so that I can prioritize these certain goals or these certain buckets in my life? Okay, so now I've prioritized. Here's what's important. I eliminated what is not. I'm operating at 100%. Now, what's next? Let's fucking obsess and execute and make that shit happen. That's what I do. I prioritize, I eliminate what isn't important, and then I obsess and execute. And that's how I I go after goals. And it's one of those things that you learn with time and through repetition. Time and repetition is essential for setting goals and achieving goals. Now. Does time and repetition mean that you are minimizing and eliminating the option for failure? No, you're still going to fail time and time again, but I think you're setting yourself up for failure if you don't prioritize, eliminate, obsess, and execute. Next question is, what is the number one thing that has scaled BPN? Man, there's a lot to unpack on this one. And there's no way it is impossible to pinpoint one thing that has scaled BPN. But let me, let me try to unpack the best way to, uh, to approach this one. So if there's one word that I had to use to describe what has scaled BPN, it's the word that I use to describe my entire life. It is consistency. Showing up consistent and applying go one more. Where I see failure, you know, what holds most people back is that they're so focused on the finish line that they will skip all the foundational pieces, the necessary steps from point A to point B, because they just want to jump to point B. People start a business, they want to buy the Lambo. People start a business, they want to exit. People start a business, they want a 100,000 square foot headquarters. Like sometimes people don't start a, a business for a goal that is unique and specific to them. So there's no purpose or intent behind anything they do. So if I look back at, at the last 10 years of BPN, what have we done really well at? Staying true to our roots, being very deliberate and consistent, focusing on the product the brand, and the people. And over 10 years, what happens is you gain this momentum. And if you think of it like a snowball and you're at the top of this hill and when you're at the top of this hill, that's when you start your business. You put your hand down and there's there's nothing in your hand. 
And what you do is on top of this hill, this mountain sage is snowed. And you reach down and you pack this snowball. That is starting the business. Packing the snowball is the initiation. It's, it's forming the business. It's creating the product. It's launching the website. And what you do is you, you take that snowball and you put it on the ground and you push it down the hill. And that snowball slowly starts moving down this hill, very, very slow. But as it, it starts rolling down this hill, it starts picking up some other pieces of snow along the way. It picks up some new products. It picks up some new people. It picks up some new customers. It picks up some new developers. It, it, it learns. You know, it's picking up. It's, it's grabbing all of these pieces as it's rolling down the hill. And as it's rolling down the hill, it slowly gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's, it's the snowball effect. That's what it feels like growing a business where it's not overnight, click, boom, whoa, what happened? But it, it's consistent wins day in and day out. And with those wins comes a lot of loss and a lot of failure and a lot of learning lessons. But if there's one thing we, like, we did right at BPN to scale over the last 10 years, it was doing the hard right over the easy wrong, focusing on the product, creating the best products possible, brand, creating a brand that people wanted to be a part of through the go one more mindset and mission and people. One, attracting the right people, the right community, the right audience, the right customers to the brand but also hiring the right people to be a part of internally what we're building here at BPN. If you ever come to BPN HQ and you meet the team, there's a very specific, unique, and familiar type of person who works at BPN. They believe in the mission. They believe in Go One More. They believe in the lifestyle that we preach and practice they believe in helping people achieve their goals. They believe in the products. They believe in the brand. And they believe what we're doing is much, much larger than selling dietary supplements. What we're doing is, is changing the world through a mission, through an, an ethos, through value, values and, and principles. And if you ever come to HQ and you meet the people, you can just feel it. You can just feel that they are, they believe in everything that we're doing. So it's hard to pinpoint like one thing we did at BPN to scale, but it's, it's showing up and executing consistently good rather than occasionally great. We stayed in our lane. We still stay in our lane, head down, drive forward with the goal, the mission of building the best supplement company in the world that bridges the gap between health and performance. Next question. What is the first quality or trait you look for in anyone that I'm looking to hire? And this is the last question I'm going to answer. We, we get resumes. We get inquiries all the time for people that want to come work at BPN. And, you know, one of my favorite parts of being the founder and, and CEO of, of this company, and I've, I've learned a lot over the last you know, 10 years, but really I've learned the most over the last two years in terms of building teams, developing and empowering individuals and leaders. 
the, the difficulty of, of thinking differently in a space that is quote unquote saturated and being and becoming an industry leader. And I've learned a lot over the last two years of, of really challenging myself with those, those goals, those responsibilities. And of all the people that ever reach out looking for jobs for BPN, I can almost instantly tell if it's worth exploring or not. What I don't look for, I'll start with that, is someone who is trying to come to work for BPN for personal gain. Because one thing that keeps and maintains this culture so strong and allows us to be team, truly team focused with no ego, the best decision always wins at BPN. Doesn't matter your position, how long you've been here, what you do, best decision wins. There's no ego. But it's really easy to identify someone who's coming or trying to come to work for BPN who is, is trying to get personal gain out of it rather than working with a team and, and building the company, building the team together. That's the first thing. The second is I never look at where someone went to college or what their degree is in. I always will and always have value experience and skill over academics or certain credentials or degrees. Now, I, I, I would rather see um, experience, skill, initiative, scrappiness. I always want to be scrappy when they come to BPN, like willing to do whatever it takes to, to solve a problem. Some of the, the characteristics or traits I look for, I think number one is initiative. Like and if someone comes to BPN and they have initiative, I can and it's if it's too much initiative, like someone's trying to do too much, I can always pull that back. You can always pull initiative back, but it's really hard, sometimes nearly impossible, to push initiative forward. Like if you go work for a company and you're waiting to be told what to do and you don't have any initiative, you're waiting for instruction, you're waiting for direction. That is very frustrating for a leader to manage because it's constantly pushing this person forward. It's like, come on, please just try a little bit more. Try to do a little bit better. Try like, try a little bit harder. I would much rather pull someone back. Hey, I love what you're doing. I see you. I appreciate you. Pull it back just a little bit. Just pull it back. I, it's much easier to pull initiative back than push it forward. The, the second characteristic I always look for is awareness and pulse. You got to have awareness. You got to have a pulse on, on culture, things that are going on in different departments, things that are going on in the business, being able to pivot. Awareness and pulse. Three is ownership, as we've already talked about. Just taking complete ownership of what you, you fail to do or you achieve. Your wins and your losses. Being dependable, having the experience and the skills. Like I said, being team focused, no ego. And it's, you know, one way I, I pick up on this sometimes is when a member of a team, if they talk about something they did as a team, they always use the word we instead of I. Even if they are the one that did it, even if they are the one that led that project forward and completed it, I like when I, I hear people say, we did this. 
We achieved this win. We made this change on the website. We launched this new product. We designed this new, this new label rather than I, 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 I. And I guess the last thing to really wrap up on is I think sometimes people get the, they're confused that what they think I'm looking for is someone who can come into BPN and run marathons and complete Ironman triathlons and run ultra marathons or deadlift 700 pounds. And it's actually like very common that when people send resumes in or inquiries or cover letters to, to apply for a position, they lean heavy into what they've done physically, like what they've accomplished physically, what they're training for right now, what their priorities are in hopes that they think that's going to win over a job here. And you know, the, the reality is it just, it doesn't and it isn't, it's not what we're looking for. We're looking for people who want to be a part of a team and work for and towards a mission that is helping people, guiding people to accomplish their goals, their wins. And it's much larger than themselves or their, their personal goals in terms of fitness. It is, it's much larger than that. So that's kind of what I'm always looking for in terms of BPN. But man, initiative is one of those things that I love to see. You know, people can be trained. People can gain experience and skills on the job. But having those foundational characteristics of initiative, awareness, ownership, being dependable, being team focused, those are some things that oftentimes cannot be taught. They have to be in your DNA. They have to be believed in and bought into. And that's what I look for. So guys, that wraps up today's Q&A podcast. Thanks for submitting all the questions. Like I said, if you're not following the BPN Instagram yet, or the, sorry, the, the Bear Performance Podcast Instagram, it is at the Bear Performance Podcast. And if you're not following the BPN Instagram, it is at BPN Supps. B-P-N-S-U-P-P-S, B-P-N Sups. So thanks, guys. We will see you in the next episode. And always remember, it is hot out right now, so be sipping on those electrolytes. All right, we'll see ya. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bear Performance Podcast. Please leave a rating and review on the platform you are listening to if you enjoyed it. It helps us to grow and reach more people with the intent of changing lives through the Go One More mindset. If you are ready to take your health and performance to the next level, head over to bpnsubs.com to take the first step.